of Isaiah 40, but please take the time to read through Isaiah 40. It's a wonderful uh, illustration of how great God is. Um, it mirrors in some ways the, uh, the words in Jeremiah, you know, where Jeremiah is railing against God, and then, you know, God turns around and gives him an answer and says, but who made all these things? And we see something very similar going on in Isaiah 40. You know, for the believer, the study of God's character should captivate our minds with the greatest interest and touch our hearts with the greatest blessings. You see, because few things can bring us greater joy and greater benefit uh, than seeking God, than pursuing God. In Job 22:21, we read, Now acquaint yourself with him, and be at peace, therefore good will come to you. That's from the New King James. And Jeremiah 9:24 declares, But let him who boasts, boast of this, that he understands and knows me, says the Lord. And the psalmist says, Because he has loved me, um, therefore I will deliver him. Uh, he's talking primarily, of course, about Jesus and about Jesus' resurrection. But there's also a sense there for us that when we're in strife, if we are clinging to God, we will have an answer, and he is our answer. Considering these verses, the great preacher Charles Spurgeon once wrote, there is something exceedingly improving to the mind in the contemplation of God. It is a subject so vast that all of our thoughts are lost in its immensity, so deep that our pride is drowned in its infinity. And I've got to tell you from my, my own life, it's a good thing when my pride is drowned. <laughs> it's a good thing because when my pride and my ego is reduced, there is the possibility of so much more with God. And he goes on to say, you know, that if we study uh, all sorts of things of knowledge in the world, we grapple with it, but we end up self-content and self-reliant. And we come to the place where we say, behold, I am wise. And once again, how many people have you known who are wise in their own eyes? But... This master science, this art, this life of getting to know God, really getting to know God, we find that our plumb line, as he says, just doesn't reach the bottom. You know, in, in ancient times, they'd throw a plumb line over the side of the ship, and if something was grinding at the bottom of it, you're too close to the rocks. But he says, you know, the plumb line in the knowledge of God, we we don't reach the bottom. There's always more to know. And our eagle eye cannot see its height. And we turn away with the solemn exclamation, I know nothing. Nothing, he says, will so enlarge the intellect. Nothing will so magnify the soul of man as devout, earnest, continuous investigation of the great subject of God. We have been created to be familiar with our Creator. We are on an eternal quest to know the living God. We are wired 
to be God-seekers. And that's why it becomes such a satisfaction to us. Because that's what God made us to be. People who seek and then know God. It's our purpose. It's our true satisfaction. The more we come to know God and, and experience his attributes in our lives, the more we will come to adore who he is. And the more we adore him, the more we will seek to know his will and to do it. And the more we seek that, the more we will want to imitate God. Ephesians 5.1 says this, Be imitators of God as beloved children. So the first thing, of course, is that we need to understand that through Jesus, we have become beloved children. And as beloved children, we go back to the first part of the verse, we not only can, but should be imitators of God and his character. What's the greatest proof of knowing and admiring your heavenly father? Well, it's wanting to act like him. But too often humanity has gone in the opposite direction. Instead of wanting to be like God, we have desired to make him like us. We have created a God that is manageable and tame. Not really God, but the God that we have in our, our minds and hearts. Uh, the God uh, like this is within our realm of understanding. We understand everything about him. Uh, and he plays according to our rules. We are the sovereign ones in this play. He works according to our will. He does what we want. We are free. He is in a box. We are the creators in this scenario, and he is made in our image. As Luther once said to Erasmus, your thoughts of God are too human. And even among the churches today, our thoughts of God are so frequently too human, too limited. Many of you, I think, will remember the name J.B. Phillips. And in 1997, he wrote a book titled, Your God is Too Small. And he argued that the concept that we have in our minds of God is too small, which results in failing to impress many people in this modern age. It's nearly impossible, Philip says, for an adult to worship any concept of God that we create and control. And of course it is. If we have an idea of God that is merely limited to what we know, what we think should be the case, is that really God? As a result of all these insufficient ideas of God, many people live with an inner dissatisfaction. And of course that's the case, because what we create and call God in ourselves can never satisfy us. To be God, God has to be more than, than we can conceive and more than we can control. A.W. Tozer, who wrote about revivals and is quite well known in many circles, he said of the God of the contemporary Christian is only slightly superior to the gods of Greece and Rome. Understand, he's not saying God really is uh, lesser. 
He's just saying that so many of us have a reduced idea of God. And he says, why would you depend on that sort of God? He said, this sort of God really astonishes anybody. He fits in a box. He manages to stay pretty much within the Constitution. He never breaks out uh, our bylaws. He's very well behaved. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I want a God who is not so well behaved. A God who breaks through my limitations. And he says, the problem is, he's so much like us. <laughs> We've made this God in our image. And quite frankly, that's not only reducing who God is and what he can do in our lives, but it's also adulterous. The truth is, we need a different type of God, don't we? The good news is that God that we have often conceived is not really who he is. He is much, much greater. If we wish to see the greatness of God, where do we turn? Well, if we only place an emphasis on reason, which the church has for a number of years, uh, it'll lead us to a God who is impersonal and perhaps even immoral. Uh, or if we depend on emotionalism only, it will lead us to a God who is weak and immoral. Well, what about creation? You know, doesn't, don't we get a good concept of, uh, there's a song, I think, or a poem, talking about, you know, how we know God through a garden. And in a sense, that's true. When we are surrounded by beauty, especially the beauty of nature, we do feel a stronger connection with God. We can take advantage of that. But nevertheless, creation is not there to just do that. Uh, you see, Scripture teaches us in Romans uh, 1.20 uh, that creation declares the greatness of God. But you see, it says that in the context of saying creation reveals the greatness of God and on that basis no one is able to say, I didn't know, and therefore it's a basis for judgment. So while we may enjoy the garden, while we may enjoy beauty, and God has placed it there to be enjoyed, and while we may seek God in that context, nevertheless, nature itself is not enough. If we want to see the greatness of God, we've got to look in two places. The first is to Jesus Christ himself, and secondly, the scriptures which reveal who God is. See, one of the big problems that we have, even in the churches today, uh, and it's such a common thing, is that people define who God is and how we should live our lives, starting with ourselves. We live in a very me-focused culture, don't we? And so... Beginning with ourselves is actually the wrong place to start because if we begin with ourselves, we will only ever limit God to ourselves. And if we limit God to ourselves, our image of God will be wrong. But if we look to Jesus Christ, 
who revealed the Father, who said, if you see me, you see the Father. That wasn't some sort of, you know, two images plastered over each other. He was just simply saying that I am a revelation of who God is in every way. So if you see me, if you understand who I am, then you understand who the Father is. You understand God. Along these lines, listen to the Bible's description of God. In 1 Timothy 6, we read, He who is blessed and only sovereign, the King of Lords, a King of Kings and Lords of Lords, who alone possesses immortality and dwells in unapproachable light, whom no man has seen or can see, to him be honor and eternal dominion. And in Exodus 33:20, it says, that you cannot see my face, for no man can see me and live. But remember that we have the revelation of Jesus Christ. So although Moses was unable to see the face of God, although God said, you know, put your face towards the rock and my presence will come past, in Jesus we have a revelation of who God is. So how great is God? Well, the testimony of how great is God goes all the way through the Bible. And these are some of the ways that it is re- he is revealed. Creator of heaven and earth in Genesis 1.1. Eternal, Psalm 93. Great in faithfulness, Lamentations 3. Isn't it great to know that God is faithful? In so many things in life, there is a lack of faithfulness. There is disappointment. But in God, there is faithfulness. He's a father who gives help to his children. Now, you and I may have had different experiences of fatherhood. But God is a good, good father. And it says in Matthew 7 that he is not only our father, but also our helper. In Psalm 145, he's glorious and majestic. In Psalm 119, he's good in all his deeds. In Psalm 48, 14, he is an ever-present help, an ever-present guide. Jeremiah 23 says he's infinite. Psalm 94 says he's a judge of the world. But understand that his judgment is for a good purpose. And one of the purposes is that sin and hardship and pain and suffering may not continuously suffer, uh, continue. In John 1, oh sorry, 1 John 4, God is defined as love itself. If you want to know what love is, seek God because he is love. I think perhaps in these modern times, many of us have lost an awe and a reverence for the almighty God. Psalm 50, 21 says this, These things you have done, and I kept silence. You thought that I was just like you. And he goes on to say, I will reprove you. And I, so God himself is saying, you've had a wrong impression of who I was. So how can we who are weak and frail and moreover sinful 
stand before this awesome God. Well, I think the, in, in Isaiah 40, in verse 11, the answer is there. Amazingly, this almighty God who created everything, who continues to show his power, who continues to act within nature and within our lives. Nevertheless, it says, like a shepherd, he will tend his flock. In his arms, he will gather the lambs and carry them in his bosom. He will gently lead and he will nurse them. Of course, it's a picture of Jesus. And I know many of you have been in uh, older churches where there's stained glass windows and there's a picture of Jesus holding a lamb. And of course, one of the images of that, one of the uh, stories, if you like, within that, is that Jesus himself is the Lamb of God. Um, he is the sacrifice. He will suffer. And through that, he redeems us. But the other image that comes through from those stained glass windows and similar artwork is that um, we are his sheep of, the sheep of his pasture. And he wants to look after us uh, just as a shepherd looks after sheep. And in Isaiah 40, 31, it says, Those who wait on the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with eagles, with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not be weary. So on the one hand, we have this almighty, powerful, um, all-encompassing God. And on the other hand, we have from the very same portion of scripture, a picture of a God who desires relationship. The reason Jesus suffered and died and rose was so that we could have this relationship. So what comes out of this knowledge of God? How should our lives be affected? Well, here's four ideas that I think relate to knowing God and examining ourselves. The first is that if we know God, rather than just know about him, uh, knowing God naturally overflows into worship. Secondly, knowing God, not just knowing facts about him, but actually knowing him, overflows into works of service. Because once we understand how great his help is to us, how much he has redeemed us, how he will walk with us through every circumstance of life, then we are in a place that we want that to flow to others. Knowing, first of all, the gospel, Jesus died and rose again, and as a consequence of that, God has offered us freedom now and forever. But secondly, service in the sense of looking after those who need help. Um, during the last week, I needed some help myself, and I want to thank you all for, for that. Uh, thirdly, knowing God, really knowing God, naturally overflows into trust. Trust does not come easily for many of us. Uh, sometimes it comes out of the past experiences in earlier life. Sometimes it comes out of relationships that have broken, whether they be family or uh, couple. 
whether they be trusting someone who was a father and who didn't behave like a godly father. But if we believe that the God of Scripture is who he says he really is, rather than who we invent in our minds, we will have an elimination of fear, worry and doubt from our lives. We will be less inclined to complain and grumble. We will not limit God in our prayers through unbelief or belief that we know what's best but rather we will cast all our cares, as 1 Peter 5, 7 says, we will cast all of our cares on him. Finally, knowing God should overflow in biblical preaching and sound discipleship. Uh, someone years ago by the name of A.W. Pink said, how vastly different is the scripture, uh, sorry, the God of scripture from the God of the average pulpit. Now this is a church where we seek to show the God of the scripture. It would be so easy for someone standing here in any church to have thoughts about what God is, uh, their own concepts of God, and then preach that. But that is so often inadequate because we need, when we preach, to preach the God of the Bible. And then we grow into understanding who that is. And that's where discipleship comes in. Because we will begin with some facts from the scriptures, from the Bible. We may not understand them all, but as time goes on, if we press into knowing God, if we seek him in every aspect of our lives, we will grow into knowing God as he is described in the Bible. And that's far greater than our natural concepts. So there's a, perhaps it's time to rediscover the greatness of our God. Because the type of God being promoted in so many places is inadequate to our needs. Only an authentic, all-powerful, hugely loving God is able to help us. Finally, I think there's a balance going on. Have you, have you sensed the balance as I've talked? On the one hand, there is the greatness of God. The transcendence is the official word. And on the other hand, there is the intimacy of God which is officially called the imminence of God. So we have transcendence and imminence. We have greatness, uh, which some people pro um, proclaim as a kind of a distance of God. But God is not distance. And why is that? You see, because he's God. And as God, neither one of those can undermine the other. He can remain absolutely powerful and personal. And he can be absolutely personal to you and me and yet not surrender any of his greatness at all. And as I said, as we press into who this God is, both great and intimate, let's go to the source for our beliefs and our opinions. Let's not start with ourselves. Let's not start with 
what's politically correct. Let's not start with uh, our friend's best opinion over a beer. Let's start with the biblical revelation of who God is, and that is Jesus. And let's cling to him, read the scriptures, and grow into this wonderful, wonderful relationship with the living God. Amen? Amen. Well, bless you during the week. I hope you have a wonderful time.